As the loads came in, the Sherpas checked off their numbers. Jomling directed them onward, sacks of grain, fresh vegetables, and cans of kerosene in the kitchen tent. Other food and climbing hardware to the storage tent, referred to as the 7-Eleven. Film equipment to the camera tent, the satellite phone, computers, and printers to the communications corner of the dining tent. If you can break it down small enough to carry it, you'll probably find it here, summarized production manager Liz Cohen. She had her hands full keeping track of the finances, media, shot lists, and communication with the outside world. Both the climbing and film teams were unacclimatized to the 17,600-foot elevation. Just existing is an effort, Roger explained. While sitting, you feel relatively normal, but then stand up, and you can't form a sentence of more than four words or so because you're breathing so hard. Beyond camp was the dreaded icefall, the Kumbu Glacier's tongue of unstable ice that rudely protrudes from the valley between Nupsi and Everest. David and the climbers stood eyeing the treacherous icefall, wondering quietly about the condition of this year's route through it. The amphitheater of mountains surrounding base camp echoed the sounds of rumbling, billowing avalanches. Huge chunks of ice would tear off the low la, the wall that leads to the base of Everest West Ridge, and come crashing down with thunderous roars. Lying on her tents at night, it sounded like the 1812 Overture, Audrey Salkold recalled. The sound and motion swelled beneath them, too. Base camp is situated on the edge of the glacier itself. The Kumbu Glacier is ice under stress creaking and bumping and clicking and snapping and cracking and squeaking, a constant babble, Roger said. It always reminds us that we're camping on a dynamic sheet of ice. Just as dynamic are the flocks of yellow-billed choffs, sawing on updrafts, their movements catching the playfulness of the wind itself. They've been seen poking about the South Call at 26,000 feet, along with another base cap denizen, Gorak, Ravens, which have catched food even higher. Gorok, the Sherpas say, can be messengers of the deceased and bearers of their souls. High-altitude cuisine Each morning, Changbo woke before sunrise to prepare the first of endless rounds of tea, which he delivered to the tents amid clouds of steam and hearty good mornings. All the while he carried on in cheerful song, the lyrics alive with the joy and angst of mountain life. Audrey found her spot in the kitchen and filed her second report to McGillivray Freeman Films and the Nova website. Base camp is now quite a city. It is curious that having voluntarily removed ourselves as far as possible from the trappings of so-called civilization, expeditions then appear to vie with one another in creating alternative civilizations of ingenious comfort and complexity. Elaborate mess tents have sprung up, with electric lighting, and in some cases heating, music, and comfy chairs, and tables. Even the Sherpas compete in the construction of impressive camp kitchens, mostly Sangers, dry stone walls with pitched roofs made from heavy-duty tarpaulins, and laid out inside with all the economy and efficiency of kitchens in the best hotels. The kerosene and propane stoves were always going, and the climbers and film team hung out in the kitchen for warmth. Sherpas visited from other camps, and the Sherpa women who came up with loads laughed and joked constantly. The Sherpas invited the porters in and fed them, and then put them to work out back, doing the dishes. The shelves on one wall of the kitchen tent were weighted with cans and boxes, and a leg of yak hung from the crossbeam. 
Araceli's mother had sent her off with a large ham, as she had for each of her daughter's Himalayan expeditions. I brought something very tasty, too, Robert said, in his Austrian-German accent. He waited for Araceli to respond. Zumzing? So what does Zumzing...